Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. You're the only man I know who can mix up Elvis Costello and Public Enemy. What's so funny about peace, 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 love and under peace, 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 death row. What does a brother understand? Peace, peace, peace. Conversations about collaboration, episode 34. Jordan Pierce joins me. He is the CEO of Fringe, an employee benefits company. We talk about how to personalize employee benefits, the challenges of recognizing remote employees, and his company's plans for the future of work. Let's rock and roll. Jordan, where does this pod find you? Busy, but loving life. How about you, Phil? Okay, where are you actually located? Don't don't evade my questions from the beginning. You have to wait till the second or third one before you blow me off. <laughs> uh, where, literally? Um, I am in Richmond, Virginia. Gotcha. Old stomping ground of mine. Yeah. Well, if you want, if you want specifics, I'm actually, I have four children and therefore I am in a closet. I'm in a walk-in closet off of my bedroom in order to have some peace and quiet to chat with you. Oh, no, I want GPS coordinates. <laughs> I'll send them to you in the chat. <laughs> right. We'll get you trending on Twitter. Well, let's bust right into it. I don't know a great deal about employee benefits, but I can't imagine that they have remained constant given the sea change that's taken place over the last 14, 15 months. Can you talk a little bit about the traditional notion of employee benefits and how that's changing? Absolutely. Um I think employee benefits was in desperate need of a change. Um, and so the last 14, 15 months have, you know, been awful in a lot of ways, but helpful in, in certain ways as well. And employee benefits is one of those spaces. Um, you know, if you, if you don't mind a quick history lesson, if you want to go all the way back into the 1940s, um, basically during the World War, the government capped wages. Um, and so the only way to differentiate, right, between you know, hiring, you know, taking this job versus taking that job uh, was they came up with this concept of private health care provided by the employer as a way to get around the wage cap. And so this idea of benefits was born. Well, it took 40 years from there for us to come up with a 401k. Um, and then it's been 40 years since then, since there's been any real big innovation in the employee benefit space. So I'd, I'd call it a very slow moving market. Um, and so what's been happening, I say, over the last five to 10 years is that as millennials have entered and now have you know, basically become the majority of the workforce, the demand has changed. Right. The the marketplace has to catch up. The workplace needs to catch up with the marketplace. Right. So, so just let me take you down an example. I'm 35 years old, born in the 80s. By the time I hit, was a teenager, Starbucks stop was around. showing off how young you are. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'll stop. Uh, born in the seventies, no, I'll just lie at this point. Um, but by the time I was a teenager, I'd walk into a coffee shop two miles down the road and give a seventeen-word description of exactly the drink I want. Right? It's extra foam and it's sugar-free. This and you know, double espresso Soy milk and right, exactly right, like. I was trained by the marketplace to believe that I'm a beautiful butterfly and that I'm unique and that I can have that personalized drink that I want, right? And then I go into the workplace and it's like, hey, 
we're a 1950 soda shop. Do you want chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry? <laughs> right. And it's the mismatch was so gruesome, right, for the millennials coming in that it just really forced things to start to change. And so what's been happening over the past five to 10 years is that the workplace is trying to figure out how do we offer more than just insurance and 401k. And I mean, let's, let's be honest, if all you have is a retirement account and insurance, you've got to either be sick, dead, disabled, or 65 to benefit from your benefits, right? And, and none of those are scenarios that 25-year-olds are thinking about and hoping for, right? So they're thinking about how, what are you doing, employer, to benefit my everyday life, right? To meet needs now. And what's as a result- for me right now, not what's in it for me four decades from now. Yeah, exactly. How could I actually benefit from my benefits, right? Um, and so as a result, there's been an uptick in providing childcare or providing massage in the office or provide whatever the case may be. And typically the way HR folks are going about that is they're surveying their people and they're finding out what they want. And then out of that list of a hundred things their people said they wanted, they pick the top one or two right? And they implement that on January 1st or whenever their next benefit season is. And then they survey them again a year later and they implement the top one or two, right? And at best, you're going to make 12% of your people happy, right? With doing that, the 12% that wanted that thing, right? And so what you're not making everybody happy and you're not providing something that's equitable. And so when, when our company, Fringe, came along, the thought process was, how do you reorient that so that those hundred different requests that were made are all honored? Every single one of those people gets what they want. And there actually is personalization, this Starbucks model, that framework that I was talking about. That was what we set out to do. Interesting. I want to unpack that because there's a lot there. Yeah. You're right. I, listening to you describe the environment, it's kind of like polling everyone at a restaurant, what do you want? And 12 people say steak, and that's the <laughs> winner, right? But then you've got a bunch of people going, well, I'm vegan or I'm a vegetarian. I cannot eat steak. Is that an apt metaphor? It's perfect. It's, hey, uh, what do you guys want next year? Oh, I want student loan payment. Well, well, great. But I don't have a student loan. So how did that help me? Right. Or I don't have children. So how is your childcare benefit helpful to me? Right. I think that's that's the issue that we've been running up against for the past, I'd say, decade. Yeah. And based on a lot of the articles that I've read, it has been challenging for HR folks, because if you take a look at the pandemic and companies said, yeah, if you need a mental health day because your kids aren't in school because there is no school. Right. Well, that's understandable, but I don't have kids. So again, what's in it for me? So I definitely see an opportunity to personalize what has been, to, to your point, a, a three flavor approach. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and so what we set out to do is to put the choice in the hands of the employee, right? The survey is great. The survey lets you know what everybody's interested in. Maybe there's some interesting data points there or trends that help you decide whether you want to bring in a speaker or do a seminar. And it's not that those surveys are not useful, but at the end of the day, people are revealing to you what they actually need. Hopefully, if your survey is well-written and well-done, they're telling you, this is what I need in my life, to have a healthier life, to have better well-being, and therefore, at the end of the day, be more engaged and productive, right? And if you can't address each and every one of those, and you only address one or two, it, it just says, hey, thanks for telling me, but I didn't really listen. Um, and so 
my my thought was, what if we took funds, put them in the hands of each and every employee, and then gave them a platform where they could go and choose from all these different services, including mental health, including childcare, including you name it, right? Whatever was kind of well-being to them, and they could take an equal amount of funds, right, amongst them and select what they wanted down to the individual. Would that not say we heard you in a, in a much greater way? Um, and so that that was our pursuit when we started the company right at the beginning of 2019. Yeah, it's intuitive to me, and it reminds me a bit of let's say um, redeeming points on a credit card, right? I can go to insert name of credit card company, and I can pick from a check or an Amazon gift card or Target or Home Depot or different services. Is that kind of in keeping you're nodding your head, but the listeners won't be able to see that I'm not far off. You're not far off at all. I mean, to, especially to the level of having that choice. And I think those credit card companies understanding the diversity of selections that they need to offer, right. To, to have something relevant to each one of their users, their customers, the, the difference would be because we're aligning ourselves with benefits, we're focused on services instead of products. Because our theory is that if my company provides something of perpetual and ongoing value, then I feel like I'm being taken care of, as opposed to if I got a blender on my five-year anniversary or a pair of golf clubs, right? The blender's broken and the golf clubs are, are collecting dust in the garage, right? But if they're paying for my Netflix or they're paying for my child to learn how to code or whatever cool thing I pick, right? Then I feel like, oh, wow, this is a benefit to me on a routine basis. My company is really taking care of me. Yeah. Well, let's play that out because I don't know if you're able to pinpoint cause and effect, but it occurs to me that, and you've probably seen the data, Right, some ridiculous percentage of employees I've heard anywhere from twenty-five to fifty percent would, if they don't plan to quit their jobs, are certainly open to it. And I just saw on LinkedIn, I think it was last week, according to Economic Research Department, the number of postings with the word "remote" in it jumped five hundred forty-seven percent from this time last year. So, wow. to the extent that companies will embrace remote work or hybrid work, and they've got the tools to do it, then you can't just say, "Well, I live in Richmond." I need to work in Richmond, right? I don't have to move my family. I can work wherever. And getting back to my earlier point, is that a potential retention tool for some of your clients? I think very much so. Um, I think that the best clients we have, they're rolling it out because they want to support their people. That That's the cause, right? The The effect of it, right, I think is very much twofold threefold, actually, uh, there, is a, there is a retention aspect because some of these things are sticky, right? If you're providing a service that's impacting not only the employee, but their partner or their spouse or their child, right? All of a sudden, like my kids, for example, feel like, and they talk about it this way, they have fringe benefits. That's how they talk about it. What am I getting for my fringe benefit for the next six months or for the next year, right? And they pick Kiwi Crate, or they pick little passports, or they pick something that teaches them how to code, or whatever, right? 
my wife, similarly, she's like, okay, I got my points and I'm going to pick this thing that I'm interested in. And so there is this stickiness about it because you're involving the whole family in the selections of these benefits, right? Whereas, you know, your, your kids don't care what health insurance provider you have. They don't, they don't understand how much life insurance you have. And no one's excited about those things anyway, because you only utilize those when something is wrong. Right. When something when 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 you're suffering in some way, not that they're not important, they certainly are. So there's a sure. stickiness. But on top of that, including the family in some way that's beneficial to their everyday life actually builds culture in your organization and builds loyalty in your organization. Right. So it has the impact of building an environment where people feel supported and therefore they're proud to work for the company they work for, which don't, doesn't only help your retention, but helps your, your recruiting. And I've actually gotten more feedback from our clients on the recruiting side than even on the retention side, where they've said, I've had people come and, hey, my friend told me that you guys have X, Y, Z benefits. I really want to apply for a job, you know, and they're and they're not excited about the 401k, even though, of course, that's important. They're excited about getting their Netflix paid for. Right. Which is 13 bucks a month. You're like, what? why is that important? Right. And monetarily, it's not. But the feel of it is a really big deal to feel cared about and supported in that way. Let's shift gears for a second. Um, talk to me a little bit about the challenges of recognizing remote employees. Um, in the past, when I've had client side jobs or even as a consultant, I'd seen, hey, let's congratulate so-and-so. She was here till three o'clock in the morning fixing a problem and give her a gift certificate. Everyone gave her a round of applause. And that's great. Um, not saying that you can't applaud via Zoom or Teams or Slack, but clearly it's not that simple. Um, yeah. What have you and your clients been doing regarding this remote recognition? It's got to be harder. It is harder. And, you know, I think to put it all in the context of the last 15 mm-hmm. months or so, it's always been harder, right? Like remote work isn't new. The idea that the majority of our people work remote, that's new, right? Um, and so if we're honest, I think most companies kind of just ignored, if not maybe just underserved their remote employees up until this point, right? But now now when the majority is dealing with it, now all of a sudden it's a it's a priority. And so I'm glad for that, obviously. I'm, I'm happy for remote folks, but but many I think could answer your question, um, you know, from the context of pre-COVID and post, right? <laughs> like, hey, someone's trying to answer this question and, and trying to do this finally, right? Uh, so for us, you know, I, I think it is what you mentioned. I think it is Slack. I think it is the remote applause. I think it is jumping on and singing happy birthday on a Zoom call with 40 people. And it sounds horrible because the timing's all off. Um, so, so you do what you can with those tools. But also, I think you just need to drop things in the mail and send them, right? Like, I, I think we forget that the tangible is so powerful. And actually we had two uh, over the, over this week had two different employees get engaged, you know? And so I, I just sent a bottle of champagne to each one, to their homes, you know, to celebrate. And, and, you know, that's the best I could do. I love to pop the bottle with them and drink and celebrate and, and have a party. I can't. Um, but I think you need to go as far as you can go, um, just in the, just in the spirit of equity, if nothing else, right? Just understanding if you've got folks in an office, they're benefiting in myriad ways, right? From you know the space and the catered lunches and the free coffee and the and, and we and we've never stopped. I don't think many companies have stopped to think about the fact that 
you're spending X dollars a month or a year on those people that you're not spending on these remote folks. And, and there's budget there. There should be budget there to very much celebrate and reward and recognize remote folks. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And to the extent that so much of the communication that we get these days is digital, right? Is electronic. What better way to distinguish yourself, right? As an organization by sending some kind of tchotchke, right? A book of the month, a a physical gift card, a bottle of champagne. I mean, I I think about the impact that that makes. And I know that for one of the the books that I did, the publisher sent me uh, as sort of a kickoff present or congratulations. It was a box of nuts branded with, uh, I think it was a sticker or something like that. And I just said, you know what? That's cool. I, I, yeah. I haven't got that before. You get you normally, I mean, how excited do you get about an email, but you know, you're having some nuts sitting on the couch, watching a basketball game. You know, it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. It makes a big difference to people. And again, it, it also includes the household, right? It shows up at the door. Somebody else probably sees that and understands the way in which their spouse or their partner's employer is is looking out for them, caring for them. Hmm. I want to change gears again. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your future plans for the office, because I don't think that you envision full-time Monday through Friday, butts in seats, nine to five. And many companies I've been reading about and a few of the guests on the podcast have talked about how the future will be less about the office and more about collaboration centers. Say more. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I think I think it boils down to the only real reason to head back to the office in, in a in a white collar environment where there's no physical need to head back to clarify my statement is if you don't really fully trust your people. Right. I think that's really, you know, and I hate to call people out, but I'm going to like, because every survey is going to tell you that they don't want to come back five days a week. You know, my internal survey, you know, at most I saw three to four, but the vast majority are like, yeah, one or two days a week, see people socialize, collaborate a bit. Perfect. Right. So the only reason to force the issue in my mind is if you don't think that they're actually being productive at home or maybe to put it in in terms that are a little bit more generous, maybe you don't believe that they can be emotionally healthy at home. Maybe that's just a belief, right? Uh, I don't happen to share that belief. I, I think that people, the, the feeling of isolation and the suffering of that over the past 15 months is not because we haven't seen our coworkers, right? That's a piece of it. We also haven't gone on dates. <laughs> we also haven't been able to go to the science museum or to walk through the grocery store and see old friends and shake hands and give hugs. Like th- there's this mass isolation that has only a bit to do with work, right? So for me, I- I'm all about giving people absolute choice and just trusting them, right? If you can't, if you can't trust your people, fire them. Hire someone that you can trust, right? Like don't don't spend all this time and energy and effort looking over people's shoulders and micromanaging. Just hire mature people. Um, so for us, to answer your question, I'm sorry, I, on my on my high horse there, but no, no, no rant it, away. In fact, if I weren't 10 30 in the morning, I'd probably pop a beer, glass of wine, and just go off on a rant with you because I, it's insane to me, right? Oh, we trust you to work in the office but not at home. Well, right. how does that, right? How, how does that work? I mean, yeah, right. again, yes, you might be able to get away with certain things, but you know, my consulting career, I understood that in some cases, companies would lock down networks because bad things could happen. But 
you know, starting in 2007 with the launch of the iPhone, you know, do whatever you want. I, I'm basically connected to the internet, irrespective of what you do to my PC. Right. Exactly. I mean, we, we sometimes we talk about and treat employees like they're children instead of adults with volition <laughs> and maturity, right? And, and self-motivation and um, heck, even, even children, I think, could be trusted more than <laughs> I'm going to look over your shoulder while you're in the office. But, but anyway, um, our plan, uh, at least for the moment, uh, we've got about half of our company in the Richmond area and the other half is, is remote and not even anywhere close, right? It, out in Texas and in California and New York. I mean, they're going to, they might pop in here and there at their own choice. Um, and, and I'd love that, right? Um, but, Everyone will have the opportunity to work where they want um, and as many days per week if they want to jump in the office or none at all is totally fine. So we're we're not even I shouldn't have said office. We're not even calling our space an office. We're calling it a clubhouse um, and very intentionally because I don't want to set an expectation that you're going to come in and you're going to have an assigned desk and you're going to keep a picture of your family there. And you're going to it, that's not happening. It's much more of a hoteling concept where if you want to reserve a seat for a certain day at a certain workstation, you can do that. Um, but but otherwise, that space is for collaboration. It's for it's to be social. It's to build relationships with one another. I mean, the really all, most of the money we're spending on building this thing out is on the kitchen slash bar area, right? Like it's going to feel more like an event space than an office um, because I want it to be our social hub. Um, kind of a I, I've described it as like a a private co-working space, a co-working space just for us, right? Um, so, that, so that's the that's the concept for now. And over time, maybe we build more of those in different cities to give to give others opportunities to have that same experience. Fight club, baby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going to use a technical term. That's freaking awesome, and it seems like the <laughs> kind of place you'd want to go into. Right. Knowing that you're going to be working, but you're going to be doing more purposeful work, purposeful collaboration, not I'm in there so you can watch me code or you can annoy me every eight seconds stopping by my office. That wise beyond your years, my friend. Uh, it sounds really exciting. I'll get you out of here on this. What book are you currently reading? Uh, I, yeah, I saw that question when it came through and I was like, this this could be a little controversial, uh, but I'll say it anyway. I'm reading a book called Love Does. Um, it's by a guy named Bob Goff. And uh, he, you know, he's a he's a faith based guy. I don't think that you need to align in that way to appreciate this book. Um, this guy is a he sounds like the most fun dad anybody could ever have. Uh, he just he thinks in a very limitless way. Like there, there's no parameters. There's no restrictions around what I can go and do. His children have met something like 30 world leaders in person. They've been invited to palaces and places all over the world simply because he has their kids write and ask if they can come and visit and talk about like world relations and, and where the world's headed. And they invite them to come and put them up in hotels and treat them like royalty. And it, it just one example of just the crazy stuff in this book that this guy's been able to pull off because he's fearless. Um, and so I just really appreciate that mentality um, and just that limit, limitless mentality of, you know, because I come from a relatively small town with a, you know, my, I had a grandfather that you know, worked on a farm and and then worked in construction, finished third grade. And and that was it. He was needed on the farm. And, you know, I, I can get a little 
weighed down by the concept of like, this is too big for me. I don't belong here, that imposter syndrome. And so things like this book are just so helpful for me to remember, like, no, we're going for it. Like this, I'm already invited to the party. I just, I just need to go get after it and, and, you know, go for broke. Good stuff, Jordan. Thanks so much for being on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, Phil. Thanks a lot. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.